Hello and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. I'm Greg B. And I'm back. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm back from Africa for a short time at least. Yep, he's back for all of one week. So big round of applause for Jacob for you know, coming back to help out and then totally bailing on me again. <laughs> hey, you know. That's how it is sometimes. Yeah, work is work. <laughs> but play yeah. is play. And so this time we have actually had a chance to play some games. Yes. We just sat down for a game of Alien Artifacts. Yeah. And I would say that we're pretty impressed. I mean, we, we enjoyed it. Alien Artifacts is another game by Portal Games. It's a bit different than what they normally do, but it promises to be a 4X game in under an hour and without taking an entire giant table right or you know 12 hours worth of video game time yes so it, it was good i think it executed very well on that and one of the things that i appreciated about it was that it did make the four x's very explicit yeah each card that you draw has one of four types explore exploit expand and ex terminate terminate yes thank you exterminate and so each of those four types interacts with actual game mechanics, and you can build synergies or you can diversify and things like that. So it definitely makes the genre very open and very accessible. Yeah, exactly. I think it, it takes some liberties in calling itself a 4X game, just because you know, you're not physically exploring something, you're just you know, taking over another planet, which I mean, like, can be considered a, an exploration kind of thing, or like exterminate. You're not actually exterminating anything, you're just getting things that like, can be exterminated. Or like, it can help with extermination, like ships and things like that, and technologies. But, that being said, I think it was fun. I enjoyed it. I thought that it was, it was really cool, just the way that it was done, and the way the resources were. A lot of times you, you feel like you're spending like 90% of the game just collecting resources. Whereas here, it seemed to be a lot more fluid. You would just like, you know, take one turn, maybe two at a time to like collect a resource and then like spend it. And you're able to like do that. You're able to almost collect resources while spending resources as well. Because you can only spend a certain number of cards per technology or per thing that you're converting. Um, and when you do that, it like you know, you have to spend those cards and then you get new cards at the end of that round. You're never like collecting cards like for example, race for the galaxy. You have to collect cards in order to spend them. so you spend many, many turns like collecting the ones that you want and then you spend those. Here it's just like, no, you just draw right back up to three cards, which is you know a huge hand limit. <laughs> but I think that it works in the favor of the game because you're not like, you know, trying to hoard certain cards or anything like that. You're just using them. You're you're trying to make your turn as useful as possible every turn and there's always something you can do with some of the cards that you have in your hand. Yeah, definitely. The design is very elegant. You know, they they clearly went into this knowing that they wanted to take the fundamental 4X mechanics and make a game that was very quick. So your hand size is three. By default, the maximum number of cards that you can spend on any action is two. You're not accumulating resources. You're accumulating capacities. You know, you're accumulating discounts from planets or, or special abilities from technologies. But in terms of the actual resource selection and the amount of time that it takes you to jump in and start building things, it's very fast. Exactly. And I think it's to the game's credit 
that it manages to pull that off. I completely agree. And then we'll talk about something that I always like to talk about, which is the design and the artwork of the game. It is very, very nice. The the ships and the technologies and everything comes along with some really just solid sci-fi art. Yeah. It, it's really nice art. Uh, I love I love the aesthetic because it is like everything on like the, the white background. You're normally used to like saying everything in space and you know black and stars and that kind of thing. Here they just have like a nice stark white background. Uh, and coming from me, that's saying a lot because I usually hate using white in terms of like colors. I all I hate white shirts and things like that. But here it really does work. I think it's similar to Time Stories in the way that it does. It, it really complements the artwork and makes it pop. Yeah, very clean, very vivid, and just generally a very good, well-designed, enjoyable game. I definitely look forward to playing again and hopefully to bringing you all a review sooner rather than later. Exactly, exactly. Besides that, we have had a chance to play a few other games. Last week, if you tuned into the stream, you noticed that we played... Well, we tried to play... <laughs> Uh, Scythe on the stream and had a little bit of trouble with that, but we did have a chance to play 8-Minute Empires Legends and uh, Go Nuts for Donuts. So Mm -hmm. both quick games that were always fun. You know, Go Nuts for Donuts in particular is just one of the most delightful themes in a game. It plays in 15 minutes. Just makes you hungry. (laughs) Yeah, you're definitely craving sugar after a game of Go Nuts for Donuts. Yeah, the games are a lot of fun. I... I think that they're really good, quick, light games that you can teach in a very short amount of time, but that hide a very large amount of strategy, especially 8-Minute Empires Legends. Right. And that was sort of one thing that came back to bite me in the ass, because I had control over most of the tiles... Yeah. But, you know, that's not really what matters. And what matters is optimizing your control over the islands, some yep. of which are much smaller, have, you know, multiple islands per tile. And that's what you went for. Yep. So you did end up beating me because you were able to optimize in that way mm-hmm. where I was going for, for a different sort of strategy. But, yeah, 8-Minute Empire is very much a game that has sort of deceptive strategic depth on the surface of it. You're not doing a lot with a single turn, and there's relatively few turns in the game. So it really creeps up on you, the amount of strategy that goes into a successful game. Yeah, for sure. It really does. But that's, that's what I like about it. It's, it's a game that you can just take out. It's something like similar to Vi almost in, in that way. Yeah, very where much. Where it's just like, boom. However, you can really put a lot of strategy out there, but it's not always that, that difficult. And then besides that, the only other real game of note is I have recently discovered that there is a digital version of the Pathfinder Adventure card game. So for those of you who have played Pathfinder, this is a little bit of a rabbit hole. The Pathfinder RPG system has a card game variant called the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, where you build a deck that represents your hero, Mm -hmm. and your deck contains things like your equipment and your skills, and then you go through and you defeat the same sort of monsters and challenges and bosses that are found in the official Paizo-published adventure paths so the the first one that was released was rise of the rune lords the first adventure path and you you go through and you do all of those things and you can actually maintain sort of the progress on your character as you go along you get to build up your deck and substitute in different cards and improve over time in sort of a proxy for increasing your character level 
Have you checked if the the video game version uh, supports multiplayer? It does. At the very least, there is like local hot seat multiplayer. So essentially, mm-hmm. you know, one person is one character and another person is another, and you just pass the phone back and forth or tablet yeah. or whatever you're playing on. I have not investigated internet multiplayer. Mostly, that, that could be interesting. It would be really fascinating, especially because the Pathfinder Adventure card game seems like the type of game that wants you to be in a multiplayer setting. Yeah, it wants you yeah. to build up a deck record what's in that deck, and then take that deck to different groups and play it in different settings. So the opportunity to do that very quickly, very easily in the form of a digital lobby seems like, you know, a match made in heaven. And I'm I'm excited to explore that possibility. Yeah. Hell, I could play with you from South Africa. Heck yes. Yeah, no. Here we go. We have to make this work now. Yep, yep. Otherwise, you know, all I have to do is just keep beating you at, uh, you know, uh, what is it, uh, Race of the Galaxy. Right, yeah, only because, you know, you <laughs> lag out when we try to play Scythe. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just me. It was everyone other than you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it pretty much was. But yeah, so uh, that is a look at what we have been playing lately. Yeah. So this week, rather than doing a review, because, well, we haven't really had a chance to play too many games together. It's true. What we decided to do is we talk, talk about pretty much one of our favorite designers and a topic that came out of the discussion about him. So as many listeners know, the two of us are a little bit obsessed with Ryan Lockhart. Just a little bit. Like, I mean... I. At the moment, I don't think that there might be like one game. I think it's City of Iron First Edition is the only game that I don't own by him. Right, but you own the second edition, so good enough. Yeah, exactly. Well, suffice it to say, we really like his games. That being said, he has a very distinct style. So even if you didn't see the artwork, there are certain things in his games that you could see and be like, oh, this is a Ryan Lacock game. Absolutely. There are mechanics, especially a lot of them do, to do with dice. The way that he uses dice is pretty unique in general in terms of how dice games and things like that use them. But like, it's, it's almost like a combination of dice and worker placement. Mm-hmm. And he uses that in a lot of his games. And it is pretty distinctive. Not a bad thing at all. It's just definitely very distinctive whenever you see one of his games. You're like, oh, this is a Ryan Lacotte game. Right. And so what we wanted to do was sort of take the opportunity, this off-the-cuff observation that we made, and springboard off this into talking about what are some quirks of various designers. You know, Ryan Lacotte is not the only designer who has a very distinctive style, either visually or mechanically. And so when you look at other games, for example, games by Ignacy Cevicek, he's the designer behind First Martians, behind Robinson Crusoe. Those games are basically reskins of one another. Yeah. So you look at his games and you can see mechanically he likes to do a lot with limited resources. You know, you have limited actions that mm-hmm. you can take per turn and you can optimize those by accepting some risk. That's a, a thing that he very much enjoys doing. So from a design standpoint, this is really interesting to explore because people certainly have a wheelhouse. People have things that they're comfortable designing, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Playing to your strengths and designing games that you know, one, you're good at, and two, you like, is great. You know, one of the, the sort of common threads every time we've talked to a designer, one of the pieces of advice that they often give is design games that you like to play. Because if you aren't willing to play a game that you design, then who is? And I think we see a lot of that coming through in terms of some of these designers. 
Yeah, for sure. And there are quite a few that we, we noticed that had like this wheelhouse and that they were very well known for that wheelhouse. But then there are other ones, other game designers who, well, they, they're very broad in what they what they design. So people like Bruce Glasgow. So he's the, the designer of most famously Betrayal at the House on the Hill. The game that just came out recently that both of us have already raved about on this podcast is Fantasy Realms. Right. And you would not be able to guess that this is a game made by the same designer. It is very, very different. It has completely different theme, completely different mechanics. It's competitive versus cooperative. And it's just very different in terms of feel in every way almost. And then you also have someone like Ben Rossett. And he's the one who created Brewcrafters. And that's, you know, a heavy Euro worker placement game, but also as the co-designer of Between Two Cities. Right. And things like Mars Needs Mechanics. Yeah. And games that have very different design philosophies, very different visual styles, executions, everything. Um, And so he's definitely a designer who's comfortable working with a wide array of different mechanics. One thing that I do want to make sure we point out also is that neither of us are game designers. Yeah. We kind of wished that we were sometimes, <laughs> but we're we're not. And so, you know, when we speak about all of these things, it's coming from the perspective of a player. So we obviously can't know what's in these designers' heads. We're only speaking from what it looks like. And also, there's no judgment. You know, as I mentioned earlier, you can have a wheelhouse. That's totally fine. Games like um, Zombicide or Massive Darkness, both designed by the same team, at guillotine games yeah yeah guillotine games yeah and i mean some of our favorite games in general like we both love robinson crusoe we do and i mean it hates us (laughs) (laughs) well yeah but it's designed to hate us right and that's that's what you sign up for you know if you Mm -hmm. go into an ignacy chebicek game you're going to expect a punishing level of difficulty you're going to expect certain hallmarks and so it can signal to a player like oh that's what I like. That's what I'm going to go with. Exactly. And it, it can be easy because, like, you know, uh, I see a Ryan Lacotte game on the shelf or on Kickstarter, most likely. And I'm just like, oh, it's the back. <laughs> like, you know, uh, this is we're going to enjoy this. It's, it's just got that kind of game feel. So having a wheelhouse is definitely not a bad thing. And I think that one of the big positives of having a wheelhouse is you pretty much go from your original design idea. And I'm just thinking right now of Ryan's game, Empires of the Void. Right. And like, you know, you go from Empires of the Void, which is one of his first games, and that's where you start seeing that, those ideas. And then you start developing them, developing developing them, keep changing, tweaking, tweaking, adjusting, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, what helps the game, what hurts the game. And you get really good at it. Exactly. And then like, you know, you release a second edition. So Ryan has so far released, you know, second edition of City of Iron. And from what I hear, it's far superior than the first edition. Right. And it's like you just get that experience and you put it into your game and it just makes it so much better. And one of the designers that, that really is very good with this is Volko Runke. Absolutely. You want to talk about perfecting an art form. You know, Volko Runke knows what he's about. He's a CIA analyst who designs games about contemporary conflicts and counterinsurgency. That's where he lives. He designs games that fundamentally have this system, this coin system, which has now been turned into a brand. And 
each one gets better than the last. And so being able to really focus in on particular mechanics and particular ways that players can interact with one another and particular styles of gameplay gives you the opportunity to become one of the best in the world at it and to create absolutely renowned games. Exactly. And so it's, it's I think, one of the reasons that game companies are currently starting to almost advertise a mechanic. So you have uh, Dead of Winter, which is a crossroads game. Mm-hmm. And so that's showing that, oh, this is the system that we really like. We've, we've taken this and now we're going to refine it, refine it, refine it and make games that are, feel similar to it, but maybe different themes and things like that. Right. And, and another great example is Cool Mini or Not, CMON, two of the games that we mentioned previously, Zombicide and Massive Darkness, both published by that company. But they also publish things like Rising Sun, which you might think pretty different. But when you look at it, it's really about minis, yeah. really, is, is where they have their focus. They have their focus on there. And, and even, the you know, especially between Zombicide and Massive Darkness, there's such an overlap in a lot of the mechanics and just how that works, uh, both components-wise, mechanics-wise, that going from one to the other, based on at least my skimming of the rules, and I believe you read through the rules a bit. A bit. And it's it's a very like similar kind of game. Yeah. But just once again, sort of swing back to the other end of the spectrum, you can design really good games and sort of run the gamut. One of the designers that we actually know personally from out here in D.C., Dave Chalker, he is someone who works with a bunch of different styles. You look at some of the games from his oeuvre, you know, you've got Heat... Thieves Market, Get Bit, all of these are very, very different. But again, that's not a bad thing because I think it gives him an opportunity not necessarily to explore a specific mechanic, but to explore what constitutes good game design from the ground up, from a holistic perspective. And I think each of his games is made better by the fact that he has experience working in bunches of different styles and also working on RPGs. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like he's got uh, some games. That he even says that he wants to push the envelope with certain game mechanics. So Thieves Market, it's a dice drafting game. It's not something that you see too often. That it's just like you know, you're stealing the dice, you're drafting them, you're trying to get the 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 grouping that you want. Not something you see very often. Yeah, I don't, in fact, think I've ever seen that. Exactly, and then Heat as well. Like the drafting mechanic in that, it's like he's combining mechanics in ways that are pretty unique. Because of the fact that he has these different styles that he's been trying out. Right. Definitely. One of the other things that we've touched on a little bit but haven't really explored is how sticking with uh, a single mechanic can be beneficial in terms of marketing. You know, we mentioned Volko Runke's coin series of games, which obviously he's the designer, not the publisher. But it certainly gives a brand recognition that goes along with that. And one designer who's exploring that concept in what I think is a really interesting way is Scott Elms, the designer of the Tiny Epic games, which, again, all follow very consistent branding. It's Tiny Epic Western, Tiny Epic Quest. They're small box. That's sort of a a defining characteristic. But that's almost where it ends. You know, each of them is mechanically very distinct in terms of design philosophy, I think very distinct. They approach themselves from a very different perspective, and yet they're instantly recognizable. And so I think that's a really cool way to sort of explore this and explore different themes while keeping things consistent in other ways. Exactly. It's, uh, you almost get 
some kind of a deep game in a small box with the tiny epics. And the way that the game works, yeah, that can be completely different. Like, there are a few maybe different kinds of, like, overlaps, but even those, they're so minute that they could all, always just be, like, you know, one game uses dice and another one uses dice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, what games don't use dice nowadays? Um, you know, or what games don't, like, have at least one of those kinds of basic mechanics. But it is interesting because he's, Scott has really branched out in that. Like, you have a game that's based almost in poker and worker placement combination. You've got Tiny Epic Galaxies, which is dice rolling as well as, like, you know, moving your ships around and, and like, colonizing and things like that. Um, action management in different ways. And um, it's, it's just very interesting to see all the different ways that he approaches these games, almost like in a theme-first basis. Very much so. And one of the other things that I think is worth pointing out is that this isn't, you know, a new phenomenon. People like uh, Uwe Rosenberg, the designer of Agricola and Caverna, which is basically Agricola in a cave, you know, have been doing this sort of thing, have been sticking with a singular mechanic for 20, 25 years, which, you know, just goes to show you that game design for all of the, the increasing accessibility and sort of new blood in the market and also the, the phenomenal rise in popularity and rise in player base really owes a lot to, to its roots. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have some of the best train games of pickup delivers made by the same person. You go from Steam, Rails to Riches, which is the one that I own, but also like Empires of Steam and other things like that. One guy, Martin Wallace, has gone through and created the system for all these like train games that involve you know you have some stock, you have like the 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 placement of the tile of the rails, and then. You also have a little bit of uh, pick up and deliver. So all these things that he combined into this and just has been refining it, refining it, like patching up the rough spots, changing this, looking at how the game works over a certain number of years and just getting it to be like the perfect one of like this genre of game. So now with the way that the games and the designers have been, some of them at least, have like this wheelhouse, it's interesting to see them starting to work with other designers in order to to change that to like you know add something at a twist so one of the biggest ones of this is well pandemic and then pandemic legacy you're adding that twist to the game and by collaborating with someone different so for pandemic legacy you have matt leacock the original designer of pandemic working with rob davio to create this unique experience that changes the gameplay but yet keeps it fundamentally like the same game just with like these twists and i think that that kind of collaboration is going to get a lot more common and i think that that's how probably you know if if you have like the munchkins of the world where like you know they created this whole huge line of games like about like you know from the munchkin system now you know give them a mix with one of these other kinds of games. And that's where you get like the fresh thing, the the new kind of experience. Yeah, it's absolutely an exciting space that I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. I personally would love to see sort of collaborations between designers who have very very different ethics and philosophies when it comes to what sorts of games they enjoy designing and seeing what can come out of that. 
it's something that I, I definitely look forward to as we look into the future of games. But so there you have it. That's just a really quick look at something that struck us as fun to talk about. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully we'll be doing some more of these freeform style sessions in the future. You know, re- reviews are great, but sometimes it's good to take a step back and think about the industry as a whole. And let us know if you have any kind of topics that you would like us to discuss, anything that you've noticed, some observations, cool things that you thought were were interesting about board games that, you know, hey, why don't like you know, they talk about X or Y, you know, let us know. We, we'd love to hear your ideas. Absolutely. Yeah, we really hope that you enjoyed this one. And uh, if you did, we'll, we'll make more. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Dragon's Demise. We hope you enjoyed the slightly different format and that you definitely hit us up if you have any ideas, reprimands, maybe you thought we came down too hard on one particular designer, or just comments. Yeah, for sure. Next week, I am out of town again. So <sighs> Sigh. Unfortunately, you're going to have to be satisfied with Greg and whichever guest he decides to bring on this week. But that is going to be a surprise, so definitely tune in next week for Greg plus guest.